Hello and welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast outreach of Speaking for Him. My name is Andrew and I'm privileged to be your host each and every week as we look at news and current events from a biblical perspective. So let's check out news for the week of July 24th. So today we begin our news exploration by talking about another situation where a retail employee puts themselves at risk for the sake of the company and finds themselves on the unemployment line. I know I brought up a story like this a few weeks ago, but here's another one for your consideration. Our big story tonight, stop criminals, get fired. It is happening more and more these days. The latest, a 68-year-old woman who worked at Lowe's for 13 years. And a pink slip wasn't enough. She also got a black eye when she tried to stop shoplifters stealing more than $2,000 worth of merchandise from the store in Georgia. The guy decided he wanted me to let go, so he punched me. I grabbed my glasses, still held on to the cart. He punched me again and again. My fault that I feel bad at the same time. I don't know. I'm emotionally mixed. I love my job. Loved. I enjoyed working with the people I work with. I enjoyed helping the customers. I enjoyed everything about it. It's like, you know how you have your perfect job? That one was mine. You know, um, of all the stories that we cover that kind of drive you crazy, uh, nothing is more enraging than this story where you have, uh, in this case, uh, a woman named Donna Hansborough, uh, the, the Lowe's employee. Um, and the thing, Alicia, that, that just absolutely slays me about this is listening to her talk about how much she loved her job and how much uh, purpose it gave her and how much she enjoyed uh, working with people. And, and you know, in this, it really does sort of come down to are you, are you going to side with workers or criminals? And obviously, in this case of Lowe's and in a lot of other places, we're siding with criminals. I know. Can we just get Donna a job? Because yeah. she's the exact employee that so many companies, so many small businesses want. Someone who's loyal, who loves her job. Donna probably showed up when there are so many people out there who don't show up for work. Um, they come in late, and we're going to be talking about that later. But... She's exactly what you do want in a person. The problem is that um, companies and businesses are so scared now because of the litigious nature of so many folks out there. They're worried about getting sued, but they're worried about getting sued by the criminal. That's <laughs> what they're worried about. Um, and it, it just makes you stop and say, like, are we in is this opposite day all day long? Because we're doing things the opposite way we used to. You want someone who's going to be there to protect your company, protect your business. It's human nature to protect yourself and to get in trouble for that. It's just kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hear a lot of uh, politicians talking about workers' rights. What about workers' rights? What, at what point can a worker not protect his or her store? And, you know, it, it, it just, as you say, it's, it's mind-boggling. Lowe's, at this moment, whoever the manager was that fired her, could you imagine she has more character in that one interview yeah. than that person yeah. has probably ever shown to their team ever? I mean, I couldn't imagine working for someone who would see that, hear those words from her, and think the answer is to fire her. I completely understand that you have policies and there's a reason for them. 
This is an instinct. This is a reaction. Not, you know, someone is about to steal from you. They're about to do something wrong. She grabs the cart to try and stop them for a moment. Maybe they'll reconsider. Their reaction is to punch her. She put herself in harm's way. She's not trying to sue Lowe's. She's trying to work at Lowe's. Okay, can we just consider for a moment the fact that Lowe's ended this woman's 13-year career at which she termed her dream job because she tried to stop criminals from stealing merchandise from said Lowe's. Now, listen, I know there are cities like San Francisco that say that you can loot and steal up to $1,000 of merchandise without penalty, and people aren't supposed to try to stop you. But this is insane. Not to mention that the amount of product that they stole was double that in the $2,000 range. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that she was the smartest person in the world because I, quite frankly, probably wouldn't stand there and allow myself to get punched multiple times before I just walked away and let law enforcement handle it. But this is a situation where employers are siding with criminals over the very people that they employ. And then they wonder why they can't get good employees. You know, they fired her and they will probably hire 20 or 30 more employees that will be nowhere near as good as her because they don't care about loyalty when it comes to their employees. That's one thing I have realized as I have been in jobs and as I have observed other jobs from the outside is that you're not going to keep quality employees unless you're willing to pay them well and honor them for their service. I recently heard a story about a lady that had worked for a store, I think it was a department store, for 30 or 40 years, and their answer, maybe even longer, because she was a really old lady, but their answer, their reward for her upon her retirement, was a nice card. And I remember the discussion on the radio show that I heard was, if someone puts that much time in and gives you quality work for that long, you should make a much bigger deal about her than just a simple card. And I really think that's true. As I have grown up as a disabled person and become a disabled man and used transportation, one of the things I have realized is that during the time that I worked and had to get transportation from the GO bus, I realized that they needed more drivers And in some cases, they needed higher quality drivers. Now, I personally did not have a bad experience with GoBus. But I know there were times when they were stretched to the limit because they had so many pickups in such a short time. And part of that is because they don't pay enough to get a bunch of competent employees. So they'll have some competent employees who will be there for a short time as a stepping stone to another career. And they'll have others that cycle through and get fired because they are not 
competent employees. And then you run up against this idea of not being able to provide quality customer service. So all this to say, we need to foster the kind of work environments that allow quality employees to thrive. Another semi-personal example that I heard about secondhand was I had a friend that worked at Meyer for a long period of time. I don't remember how long it was, maybe 15, 20 years. And then Meyer decided to go through a massive situation where they would lay off their employees and then later they would call them back at introductory wages. They would, they would essentially fire the employees and then call them back and say, you can have your job back as long as you start at the bottom of the totem pole again. And my brother has his own story about Meyer where he was forced to join a union because you have to when you work at Meyer, even though he was a college student. And the only time he actually had a legitimate grievance for the union, they ignored it. This was when he worked during the time change, and he actually worked nine hours, but only got eight hours on his time card. And they did nothing about it, even though it was very obvious and very easy to figure out. So all this to say is that a workman is worthy of his wages. And if you want quality workers, you need to pay them quality wages and you need to back them up. I really hope that this lady gets a wonderful job because I think that wherever she lands next, she will give them another great 13 years of customer service. But these businesses do need to be held accountable. Now, I won't say, as one of the men says later on in this video, if you watch the whole thing from my blog, speakingforhim.blogspot.com, I won't say with him that I'm going to boycott Lowe's. And the reason that I stopped short of boycott is because this wasn't because of a corporate policy. This was because of an individual decision of a Lowe's manager in Georgia. So because it's not a corporate policy, I'm just going to encourage Lois to take action against this manager and hopefully maybe give this lady her job back. Because if you don't, someone else will scoop her up and they will be glad they did. The next clip I want to share with you is a father, I believe, a black father. I think he was probably speaking at a school board meeting, and I thought this was very insightful. There are 10 things that black students don't need. Number one, we don't need affirmative action. Yes. Number two, we don't need equity. Number three, we don't need to be pandered to. Number four, we don't need you to dumb down test scores in order for us to thrive. Number five, we don't need a school system promoting victim mentality. Number six, we don't need the soft bigotry of low expectations, as we have heard from other people. We don't need, number seven, critical race theory or intersectionality. 
Number eight, we don't need reparations or any more welfare states. Number nine, we don't need to be propped up as the darlings of the LGBTQ community. Number ten, we don't need white liberals telling us that they know what's best for us. This really spoke to me because... We have been going around and around on these racial issues, especially since 2020, but even before that. And I really feel a lot of parallels between that and being disabled as well. Because a lot of times people shortchange my potential. As I said in a previous episode, I have had the unfortunate reality of getting to the point in jobs that I have had where... I have actually felt the mascot approach where employers get to the point where they are glad to be able to say that they hired me because I'm disabled, but they don't really have high expectations for me as an employer. And in some cases, they actually set me up to fail. That's the reality that I have lived with, is that I have been set up to fail And then when I do fail, they feign shock. And it's hard to say because the hardest part for me is I don't think a lot of people do this on purpose. But as I was listening to these 10 things that this gentleman was articulating about black students, a couple in particular stuck out. One of them that sticks out the most is is the soft bigotry of low expectations. When I worked for Potter's House Christian School for five years, one of the things that would often happen is we would have students who would slough off all semester long. And then with about a month left in the school year, they would say, how do I catch up and pass my classes? And they would ask teachers, What's the minimum I can do? And I would constantly articulate when I would sit down with staff this idea that we need to end the soft bigotry of low expectations. Because if you give somebody low expectations, they will meet them, but they won't go anywhere in life. If you give someone high expectations, they might not meet them, but guess what? They'll soar higher than they would have if they had no expectations. And this is the type of thing that we need to do as a culture, is to raise the expectations, to raise the bar. Do people even realize that when they champion affirmative action, they are basically saying, we realize that you do not have the ability to get this job or to get into this school on your own merit academically, and so we need to get you in on a quota. Is that really something that you want on your record? Do you really want to know that the reason you got chosen over a white or Asian student is because you are black and we don't think you could do it on your own? Is that really what you want? Folks, I needed help to do my schoolwork, but I never once asked 
for someone to reduce the academic requirements of my school programs. Because when I got that degree, I wanted to be proud that I got that degree. Proud that I worked my butt off to get it. You know, I joke that I squeezed four years of college into seven years and that that took talent. But you know what? The reality is I worked my butt off for my degree. And when I sat on that stage or rather near that stage, because I couldn't get on the stage with my wheelchair. But when I sat near that stage and accepted my bachelor's degree from Louisiana Baptist University in the spring of 2006, I knew that from that moment on, I had a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and no one could take that away from me. And it was a very powerful thing. I liked what he said about critical race theory too. We don't need to be constantly told that we are oppressed and we need to fight against the oppressors. America is a great land of freedom and opportunity. Everybody has a chance to make something of themselves. Does that mean that everybody will get the same opportunities, the same advantages? No, that's not how life works. But as I've said many times, even though I have stayed on the lower end of income most of my life, I don't want anybody dictating to me where my ceiling is. I want to continue working hard and believing that God will prosper me as I follow him. And so I'm really excited whenever I see video clips like the one that I just played for you because I see black people saying, we're not going to buy the party line. We're not going to act like these people are trying to help us when really they're trying to hold us back. And even though I'm not black, I have felt this myself. Because when you get government assistance, they basically tell you, we will give you government assistance if you fit the mold. And I will be honest and say that government assistance has helped me throughout my life. But it's not a system that is meant to ultimately help. It's a system that needs to be overcome in order for success to happen. And that's a sad reality in which we find ourselves. Now, there may be a time when, on my podcast, I dig into this list a little deeper, because as I said, I think it applies for more than just people who are of African-American descent. But I think we all need to realize that we should not allow people to put limitations on us. I have said for most of my life, especially my adult life, that when people tell me that I can't do something, it just motivates me all the more to go ahead and do it. And we are told in the scriptures that we should do everything to the glory of God, that we should do everything not as man-pleasers, but as people who want to please the Lord and give him glory. And whenever I do something 
that I'm not supposed to be able to do, God is able to be glorified in a special and unique way. So I hope this has given you a lot of things to think about. And as I said, this list might be something worth digging into more in the future. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. My final story today comes from the world of entertainment and has to do with the upcoming live-action Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. At many trailblazers, Jackie Robinson comes to mind. He broke baseball's color barrier and changed the game forever. You know what Jackie Robinson didn't do? Win a World Series and tell other black people they can't play baseball. But that's exactly what's going on in Hollywood. Look at the new reboot of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You've seen the set photos that came out. They got rid of the little people and cast taller people. But you don't know the reason why. Apparently, the wildly successful actor, Peter Dinklage, got upset that other little people were getting work, and he thinks the movie's offensive. Take take a step back and look at what you're doing there. Yeah. I know. That makes no sense to me. But, oh, so what, you can what, be, you're progressive in one way, and then, but you're still making that backward oh, story of seven dwarves <laughs> living in a cave. To get, what the <laughs> are you doing, man? And Disney caved. No more little people. What other movie could shine a better role on little people, let alone cast seven of them as leads? This could have made seven unknown actors household names and given them huge careers. Let's look at Snow White's magical friends. Do you have a black one, a Latina Snow White, a couple of women? They all shatter. Were seven dwarves not diverse enough for Disney? Think about what's better, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or Snow White and the Six Unemployed Dwarves? And why is Disney excluding little people in the name of inclusion? Joining me now, model and actress Brittany Guzman and her mother, also an actress, Lena Goddess. Okay, ladies, tell me what you think Disney's doing here. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, Disney hired one, looking at the picture, Disney hired one little person and then six average-sized people so then they can morph them down. So you're still using the whole Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, but you're taking six jobs now away as actors, six jobs as or seven as stunt people, Seven jobs as photo doubles, seven jobs as stand-ins. So what is that, 21 jobs you're taking away because one actor says you're not being progressive? So tell tell Bob Iger, head of Disney, right now, because he watches, what would you like him to know? That you're taking jobs away from people. You know, yes, we're little, and we don't have one voice for little people no one has right no one has you know not one person has a voice for everyone you know we're big small tall green blue yellow whatever we are there's not one voice so just because that actor doesn't want to do that and he's been fortunate he's a great actor don't get me wrong you know he was an elf and he didn't play an elf but there is little people out there that play elves that play leprechauns that do all that but it's their choice to say yes or no. You know, it's not that all little people are actors either. You know, there's doctors, lawyers, veterinarians, teachers, mechanics, everything. But the little people that choose to work in this industry should have that choice 
for a role, not to have someone take it away and be the voice that, oh, you know, we shouldn't do that anymore. Brittany, do you agree I mean, with your mother? Fair. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, I just think that um, when Peter Dinklage said what he had to say, that he's not the leader for all of us. So I don't agree that we can just everybody in the world can just follow what he says, because who is he? Yes, he is an actor and he's well known in the industry, but you can't just base it off of just one person. Let me get this straight. The Little Mermaid has to include a black actress in the name of diversity and people aren't supposed to be up in arms about that but Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs can only hire one dwarf and have six normal sized people play the rest of the dwarves which are diversified to the max because there's one for every major race, if you will, and I think there's a couple female dwarfs this time around, and take away jobs from little people in order to be non-offensive. First of all, I don't see how a fairy tale that transcends time can be offensive. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was not written to be offensive to dwarfs. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs has been around for, dare I say, hundreds of years. And it's a fairy tale. It's not tied to a particular time in history. It's simply about seven men who, by the way, worked in caves, did not live in a cave. They lived in a house. So Peter Dinklage got that wrong. But they worked in the mines, worked in the cave, came back to their house to live. Snow White gets lost in the woods, finds them, comes and lives with them and helps them. How is that offensive? So Peter Dinklage, this super successful little person actor, gets up in arms about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs being a backwardsly told story and Disney capitulates to him and takes away potential jobs from little people. I hate to pile on here, but this is yet another case where I resonate highly. Because as someone who likes acting, it can be difficult for me to find roles that I can do from a wheelchair. So when I do hear about a role of someone with a wheelchair, it makes me excited. And I think a lot of times, able-bodied people are cast as disabled characters. Now, I don't agree with the Glee actor who said that he didn't want to come back for a Glee reboot because it should have been a disabled person in a wheelchair and he wasn't disabled and he felt bad about it so he wouldn't come back. I wouldn't go that far. I also understand the fact that sometimes you have to have a able-bodied person in a disabled role if you are dealing with flashbacks where they were not disabled. I understand those are realities of Hollywood. 
But at the same time, I do see the disabled community as an underrepresented community in the movies. And when I was a kid, my greatest desire, or one of my greatest desires, was to star in my own sitcom. It didn't happen. I used to kind of imagine what it would be like to come on as an extra in Full House and impress them enough to be made a series regular. Uh, I thought it would be great to work with Candace Cameron and Jody Sweeten. I thought that would be awesome. And there's still a part of me that would like to achieve that goal. Now, obviously, I don't think it's as important as I did when I was a kid. But I do enjoy theater. And I was so thankful for Lorna Torres, who took a chance on me and allowed me to play the role of the Ghost of Christmas Present from my wheelchair. And she said, we will just let the audience suspend belief about your wheelchair You just go out there and give the performance of your life. And so that's what I focused on. And I felt like for the most part, I got better as the performances progressed because I cared about the role, I cared about the story, and I made it come alive. And I'm so thankful for that. But I also think there could be some other opportunities that could be made available to people in wheelchairs. I was extremely gratified by the sitcom Speechless. I didn't love every single episode, but I related with the character on that show so hardcore. There were so many times when I would come away from a episode of that show and be like, you know, I lived that or I'm living that, or I'm trying to live that. There was a particular episode that spoke to me because he was interested in a particular girl, and she was definitely connecting with him on a really neat level. But then when he asked her for a date, she backed off. And at first she said, well, I have a boyfriend. I can't be in a relationship with you. And then later in the episode, she admitted that she was scared. And he told her, it's okay to be scared. Let's figure this out together. And then the series allowed them to explore having a relationship. And I think it was for a whole season that they developed and sustained this relationship and I really liked that because it was hopefully showing a lot of people hey you can have an interabled relationship and it can be a good thing and it can be a blessing don't discount people in wheelchairs and so I really really think that this is an important thing inclusion is an important thing And diversity can be an important thing. But again, diversity for the sake of diversity only is not necessarily a good thing. Like having each dwarf have a different race just so that you can hit a diversity quota does not seem like a good thing. 
And as I said, having a story like the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs story, and then only hiring one dwarf, that just doesn't seem to make sense on any level. But then again, very little of what Disney has done recently makes much sense. I've heard that Elemental has a non-binary character in it, which is especially weird considering that none of the characters in Elemental are even human. So how can a non-human entity even exist on a binary? Because they're not even animals. They're elements, earth, wind, and fire, essentially. And yet they had to take the opportunity to put the non-binary storyline in there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's my show for today. I hope that you have enjoyed it. If you have a news story that you think I should discuss on the show, or if you have an opinion on any of the news stories that I have covered today, don't hesitate to reach out with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. For Culture Watch, this is Andrew Gomison saying, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speaking for him and on Twitter at speaking for him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.